c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Okay, let's see. <laughs> All right. Welcome to today's episode of Fat French and Fabulous. I'm Jessica. I'm still Janelle. And today's topic is Ayn Rand. This is uh, a Jessica week. This is a very much <laughs> a Jessica very week. Very much a Jessica week. <laughs> you know, like like a slightly political, you know, historical figure of, of questionable sanity. Jessica was really stoked about this one. So stoked. <laughs> yes. A little bit of a little bit of topic about like a little bit of background on Ayn Rand. Uh, Ayn Rand was oh, a boy. Jewish uh, Russian American uh, was she the, Jewish? Yes, she is Jewish. Oh, but I don't know if that makes this um, better or worse. That, it becomes <laughs> clearer when you hear her original name. Oh, um, it wasn't Ayn Rand? It was not Ayn Rand. How she, do you say Ayn Rand before we proceed? You say Ayn, which is apparently, uh, uh, I think it's a Hebrew word for I. Okay. And Rand. Okay. I don't remember why she picked the Rand. I've heard it like Ayn Rand and like Ayn yes, Rand. Like, but it is Ayn. It's Ayn Rand. Yes. All right. Um, she was, I, she is the, a self-described greatest ever creative mind. Oh. And author, uh, most famous for the ideology, the ideology known as objectivism and her two most popular novels, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, which are widely adored among, uh, American libertarians, Republican senators, and literally nobody else. Yeah, that's about it. Like, I, I think if you need a book to club an intruder to death. When they break into your home at night, I highly recommend The Fountainhead. And that is that is the only context <laughs> in which I can recommend and that you own a copy of The Fountainhead. If you need, if you're going out into the woods for a couple months, if you're just going on a hike to find yourself, and you need kindling, <laughs> I recommend Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> if you've got a wobbly table that's like really off, like not a little bit off, this is a big book, <laughs> really off. You know, like Atlas Shrugged, I guess. I mean, that is a deeply unstable table, but Atlas <laughs> Shrugged will it will be sturdy. It will have a foundation. <laughs> Based in selfishness. It's a selfish table now. So I think this is one of our first American centric Wait, what was her Jewish name? We, we skipped over this. I, I, I will I will get to it. Okay, later. we're gonna get to the Jewish it name. Is, it is farther down in my notes. Actually I'll get it to you now. It is Anisa originally Anisa Rosenbaum. Oh. Very Jewish. That's that's also way more feminine. Mm-hmm. And she does it with Ein. 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 It is I. <laughs> it is I. Ein. So, American politics I, are kind of overwhelming. Um, <laughs> is that the summary we have of America? Overwhelming, <laughs> shitty, moving on. Yes. Like, there, <laughs> it, like there's this Complicated. intense self-obsession to the American political cycle where... Uh, every four years, they wipe out nearly all other news. And that kind of oversaturation occasionally leads to inanity, where you end up with... Inna- like, That's a good one. With, with good actual word. legit reporters for actual legit news organizations and less than legit, legit news organizations. So in English, you stop giving a fuck after yes. like two months of nonstop election. Yeah, you just... You, it, you just, it, it starts to dig away at your frontal lobe. You're just, uh, fuck it. Elect a literal dog or el- donkey or elephant. I don't, I don't I don't believe shit. in anything anymore. What I like is that, like, Canadian elections, I think, they're typically, like, a month. Yeah, like, the longest one we've ever had was, like, 72 days. And people can sit, that, that was grueling. That was long. That was long. Like, and we were exhausted. Yeah, like, a Canadian election is like, we're gonna pick this fucker in two months. That is it. You better decide. And Here are your options. What's hilarious is we don't have term limits, too. So no. it's like, we're picking the bastard who's gonna rule for the next, like, 11 years, and you've got 60 days to decide. Oh, yeah. Like, and we're all just like, this is too much. Yeah, like, every once in a while the government's just like, because we don't have the set date, so they just 
just every once in a while the government just like leans over and says, "Hey, bud, pick one." <laughs> yeah, there's just sort of was a, we had a stretch there. We had an election like every two years, and we're like, "Oh, enough, yes. stop, enough, stop." Oh god, I will just vote for whoever can maintain party unity for long enough to pass a bill. <laughs> I don't care. I don't even care anymore. As long as another like minority government, I just don't care. But anyway, within the American system, you tend to end up with this odd. These odd articles that come out every Everything once in a while, based off of like kindergarten level icebreakers, like so, like what's your favorite? Co- what are our candidates' favorite colors? What's oh, their God. favorite song? That's the deciding factor. I don't give a shit what your politics are. I just want to know what your favorite brand of pickles is. <laughs> and it is so, like the songs one was I, I found fairly interesting, but it's oh no, it's, it's always so <laughs> fake, right? Because. You like it's it's basically you have a bunch of people who are just focus testing relo- uh, like what what makes them more relatable. I was gonna say like I too enjoy music, citizens. Like there is no way that Hillary Clinton is is, is as into Beyonce as she likes to as her as her people and her handlers tell her to be. I think like Hillary Clinton just goes home and like enjoys a soft background of like white noise and the sounds <laughs> of like car accidents. And she's like, this is music. <laughs> like, yeah, like like they're like one of her major campaign songs was Mark Antony's Vivir Mi Vida. And what? there's no way she's into it. No, there's no, no. way that she picked that. I there's mean, no way. I don't know who picked that, though. Nobody who had her best interest in heart picked that. <laughs> <laughs> this is good with this is what the Hispanics are listening to. Is it not? <laughs> oh, God. The only like good campaign song is like Twisted Sisters. We're not going to take it. And if you don't pick that song, you, you've, I you've, can't help you. Yeah, you've, you've missed. It's a massive opportunity to cost. You've let everyone down. Everyone. Your you campaign like, manager, how, your mother. Oh, yeah. Do you know like, how often you probably have to hear your campaign song? Oh, pick wisely. Just like, I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, like, will you still be able to hear this song a year from now after hearing it three times a day and eight times a day on weekends? Right? It's like, this was. Will you be able to listen to this without throwing yourself out the nearest window? It's like, oh, God. Like, I mean, this was a viable candidate for president, but, like, she heard Katy Perry's firework one too many times and now she's on the roof swatting at biplanes. Yeah. Uh, What I remember was there was uh, in the 2008 election, I think this was. uh, Back in the day. Back in the day. uh, (laughs) Blender Magazine, and that is the first time I'd ever heard of it. Were you reading Blender? You would have been 16 during this election. I would have been 18. Oh. Old. 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 So uh, so McCain, they, they basically asked McCain and Obama to give their top. 10 favorite songs and McCain picked two of uh, two ABBA songs and I am not comfortable electing somebody who has two ABBA songs in their top 10 and number one was Dancing Queen I was just gonna say I'm really uncomfortable at the thought of like John McCain just he just goes home he shuts the door he closes the curtains and he is the Dancing Queen for the night which is weird because he he should have chosen Bruce Springsteen. He throws on his wife's dress, <laughs> kicks off his shoes. He just wants to relax. Feel, everyone deserves to feel pretty now and then. Yeah, yeah. The other one he picked was "Take a Chance on Me." I think. I mean, that's actually a decent campaign. No, oh, it's not a good campaign yeah, song. No, no. no. <laughs> Take a chance on me. No, nope, that makes you sound like a loose cannon. I changed my mind immediately. <laughs> yeah. Ob- Obama's number 10 was Yes We Can by Will I Am, which okay. was a song based on himself. I was just going to say, that's about him. <laughs> it's about him. Oh, it's come so on. narcissistic. <laughs> Although, if you want, like, a really good music moment from uh, a recent uh, campaigner, a recent candidate, I suggest Bernie Sanders' actual folk album, which he released when he was mayor of Burlington in 1987. What? His singing voice is exactly the same as his speaking voice. It is just, (laughs) like, like an hour of, of a thick, of a thick, you know, like, old... Oh, he has an old man accent. He like no like old like, Jew. Yeah, like this is like <laughs> like if you want to hear like an elderly Jewish man from from New York recite folk lyrics, <laughs> recite like America the Beautiful. <laughs> I have I have my topic next week. We're doing an album review. <laughs> 
And like, like, and my favorite like story about like the current president of the United States is that apparently I'm not even gonna say it. I can't even say he, it. He he punched his second great. Then this was this was in his actual memoir. So this is a thing he admitted to, or like he condones. he bragged about. He condones it. Punching dude. his second grade teacher in the face because he thought she was stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. That just launched missiles. I feel good now. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, uh, he also said that he was reading, when he, during the campaign, that he was reading uh, Sun Tzu's The Art of War, which he absolutely has never he read. He absolutely has not he read He does that not book. read. No, and like, if you're, if you're not a strong reader. <laughs> yeah, like, man, The Art of War is not your introduction. Even if it's a fairly modern translation, nope, no. That is, no. that is some dense shit. <laughs> If you need, if you need like bullet points for every briefing, you are not reading the art of war. What's really nerdy is that like you and I did not discuss this prior. We both immediately have an opinion about the readability of the art of war. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody? I don't. I don't think they do, Jessica. I think Donald Trump doesn't. I know. He clearly doesn't. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have picked a better lie. <laughs> But uh, every once in a while, like, a bit of honesty sleep- slips out. And one of these, uh, you know, completely unrelatable, you know, like, chronic workaholics with nothing in common with their constituents actually reveals a true preference. Uh, Paul Ryan, uh, oh God. who is the current... <laughs> I already know he's, that he's the, he's going. the speaker of... He's the current speaker of the, um... Of the... Of, of the, the house. Of the house. Just in case you're listening to this podcast in 2036 as you forage for canned <laughs> goods among the wreckage of civilization. <laughs> Come on now. We're talking like 2020 when that happens. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That is three years from now. <laughs> I'm not confident. <laughs> the warranty on this microphone is longer than 2020. I'd like to think civilization has got a chance. I mean, you're more optimistic than <laughs> I. So when you're full fallout, <laughs> you're listening to this. Yes. Uh... Paul Ryan, among others, uh, repeatedly references Ayn Rand and has done so throughout his career. That's, that's um, unsettling. He, he talked about how much he loved her in college, how she inspired him to go into public service. Um, and let me just say that if you meet somebody whose favorite book is Atlas Shrugged... Run. Um, Run. Like, Atlas Shrugged is most popular amongst sheltered 20-something-year-old sociopaths who resent feminism for <laughs> for giving women too high standards. Ooh. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, if you meet somebody who just obsessively rereads Atlas Shrugged over and over again, they are going to eat you for utilitarian value. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you stop being useful to them. Like, I'm not saying that there's no empathetic 43-year-old high school-educated black woman who's just, like, not- who, who loves just, Ayn Rand. Just, like, the, she's chain-smoking. Like, just the Fountainhead and Ayn, like, and then Atlas Yeah, Shrugged. but, like, I say that- I don't the, think so. I say that in the same way that there is probably a middle-aged suburban dad named Craig who really likes Public Enemy and Tupac Shakur. <laughs> <laughs> I think that second one is more likely. Yeah, like, it probably. There are probably more Craigs out there who, like, really like this tune about fucking the police. <laughs> you know, really, the man should get off their back. <laughs> oh, God. So just somebody with extremely low comprehension of the things that they could consume. Yes. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Um, but, uh... We're gonna get angry letters about this one. <laughs> I mean, when we decided, when you accepted my idea of doing Ayn Rand, that was already inevitable. <laughs> Her personal life, she is not who we think she is. Yes. So, like, one of the quotes from him is, uh, Paul Ryan, I give out Atlas Shrugged as Christmas presents, I'm, and I make all my interns read it. Oh, well, God. I tried to make the, my interns read it. Never work for Paul Ryan. <laughs> he does not have your best interests at heart. He is trying to get his interns to fight each other to the death. <laughs> <laughs> Thunderdome. Thunderdome. <laughs> that being said, he has uh, distanced himself 
from her as he's become higher profile because it is he's like holy shit no because like people are 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 no like noticing some notable discrepancies between what she believed and what he believes yeah like it's kind of weird for a strongly pro-life christian values politician to gush over the books of a strongly pro-abortion atheist i like she's not pro-choice she's just like everyone have abortion yeah like i, I <laughs> like i honestly don't think I, like i honestly like no She's pro-abortion. Babies are economically <laughs> worthless. <laughs> look, look at this. Look at its its face. You provide me no utility. <laughs> <laughs> she just walked around with a baseball bat and a misguided sense of rage. <laughs> that was a dark joke. So, you know, who is Ayn Rand? So, oh, God. as stated earlier, born Anissa Rosenbaum in 1905, uh, in Tsarist Russia, Rand came of age after the Bolshevik Revolution, which greatly upended the lives of her bourgeois family, uh, whose business was confiscated by the new communist government. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> as, like, a 16-year-old, she was anti-Tsarist. So, like, on the one hand, deposed the old regime. She was an aristocrat who was anti-Tsar. Yes. Okay, so she's never been good at her own self-interests. I mean, she was also a, a Jewish person in Russia, so life just yeah, sort of just, sucked. Life just sucked in all directions. Yeah, like you don't ha- you don't really have to like anybody. God, like having her business taken by the government is like the shittiest superhero origin story of it all time. It explains a lot. It doesn't explains it? just like I think we've summed her up. I mean, that's it. That's her whole life. Yeah, like, it's, it's all resenting communists and hating the government from here on. Wolverine got, like, bone claws and an abusive stepfather. Deadpool had his whole face thing. She had a Bolshevik resolution. Like, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> that being said, uh, the change of government was useful to her in one way, because uh, the new communist government did allow women to go to university. And it is around this time when she went to university and she changed her name to Ayn Rand. Um, Usually, like, that's a thing that you try out for, like, one year in college, and you're like, oh, man, I sound like a fucking asshole. She went with it. No, like, every dickish thing that you remember from, you know, like, your weird college days when you're trying to figure out who you were, she tried those things, too, and she went for it. Till the day she died. Yeah, like, like, she got halfway through that metamorphosis of transformation into, like, a fully fledged full human being and just went nope that's enough (laughs) (laughs) she's basically the this is the person i shall be now (laughs) forever Forever. she's the patron saint of like college age dickheads anyway she then emigrated to the united states in the hopes of becoming a screenwriter (laughs) (laughs) oh my god like if you even if you haven't read like atlas shrugged the fountainhead like they are Almost like impossibly long. Yes, they are. They are long beyond like they they make and excellent, they are dense. They are like if it's seriously if you need to light a signal fire, <laughs> that is where you go. Like they are large books. An Ayn Rand screenplay is eighteen and a half days. Never mind. Could you imagine her being happy with? Anybody who tried to interpret her work. No, she didn't even like her own interpretations of her own work. Yeah, well, that is that is an accurate impulse, because she did not. <laughs> she did not like it. <laughs> she didn't really like anything. Yeah, so uh, she had largely mixed success, some publications. Because all of her screenplays are delivered by truck. And take a full calendar month to perform. Yeah. Her first real success uh, was Fountainhead, um, which was written while on amphetamines. Oh my god. Prescribed for exhaustion. (laughs) (laughs) The old days were terrifying. Yeah, like just the doctor was just like, hmm, you seem kind of tired. Would you like some meth? (laughs) Meth. (laughs) Of course I'd like meth. Are you joking? All, my, all the girls are on meth down at the writing, uh, down at the typing pool. <laughs> Give me that good shit. Mmm, <laughs> i <Mama> like. <laughs> Skinny and like, I mean, when your teeth fall out, it's not going to be. Yes. <laughs> makes you look good, makes you feel good, right up until the day that you write the fucking fountainhead. Yeah, so the, the meth really helped her, you know, with the, <laughs> with the deadlines. This is why the book is like four and a half million words long. <laughs> um... 
Uh, that being said, for the three decades uh, that she was on amphetamines, it also probably... Oh my con- god. Yes. <laughs> it also probably contributed quite a bit to her violent mood swings. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I kind of respect her more now. Three <laughs> decades of meth. Holy shit. She was surprisingly sane by the end of that. I mean... Uh- if at any point she didn't have to be literally changed to the floor, I guess that's, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, PSA to any aspiring writers out there. Math is bad. No, it will help you get get to the end of your deadlines, but still no math. No math. <laughs> no math. I Ca- mean, just, you will look good, but no math. Yes, like, like if you want to be skinny, sure. Uh, if you want to be skinny and have all your teeth... Mm, questionable. Also, if you write a book on meth, the last six pages are just like, ah! It's just you holding down the A key. <laughs> yeah, like, it is unlikely to be published. Do not take Ayn Rand as your example. I, like, like, it, like, she was rejected by at least 12 publishers. I, I think the only reason it eventually got published is because, like, one dude who was really into her, like, no, that, that, that might have been Atlas Shrugged. It might have been Atlas Shrugged where, like, a dude threatened to quit unless, like, his publishing house published it. Well, that's kind of nice of him. Ah, it's it's cute if creepy. College students the world over are just like, oh, um, God, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, Fountainhead was then made into a movie, which she, of course, hated. Uh, All authors hate their <laughs> movies, don't they? Uh, I mean, I don't think they hate them as much as Ayn Rand did. Like, it's extreme. Like, the movie is extremely close to the to the original work, and she still hated it. God. Well, there was no pleasing Ayn Rand. No. Uh, it, here, I'd like to kind of go into the, like the philosophy aspect of this because she's largely considered a, plopul- a popular philosopher. Oh God. Um, but she's not considered a philosopher by you know most you know. Philosophers, <laughs> which is which is kind of interesting, uh, and there's this odd thing I've realized when every during every discussion of objectivism, which is that no one explains what objectivism is, and I always just took it to be like sociopathic selfishness, basically, but it's slightly more complicated than that. Oh, good, complicated sociopathic selfishness. It, it, like mostly, what I mean by complicated is it is stupider than you think. <laughs> and so mostly how people tend to think of objectivism is as whatever ayn rand thought and that's basically what it is because it's her deal yeah because (laughs) most of the things that are grouped into objectivism don't necessarily go together like the the precepts that she starts with like don't necessarily lead to the conclusions that she came to. That is true. Reading Atlas Shrugged is like watching a train go off the edge of a cliff. You're just like, yes, okay, things make sense. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, come back. Oh, fuck. (laughs) No. She sets up the the premise, and you're like, okay, I can get behind this. You know, personal responsibility. These sorts of things are, oh, God, everybody should worship the white man. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, and... That's very interesting because really no like serious philosophers after Ayn Rand have taken an interest in objectivism, and that is for a reason. So, more rigorously, uh, the idea uh, objectivism is the idea that human experiences and values are objective rather than subjective. That is to say, that the world we see, smell, and touch exists. Pretty okay. intuitive so far. Yeah, all right. It is something we this. discover through our senses rather than an experience created by the mind. Where this gets weird, I mean, is <laughs> like like a lot of philosophers would disagree with this. Yeah, but so far it's a fairly like common sense understanding of how the world works. Things exist. Things exist, I'm and the things I see and the things I touch, they exist. Okay. So far, so I'm good. I'm with you. This is where it gets weird. Rand claimed that perception is never subjective. That what we sense through our bodies is literally what exists and it is all that exists. And that all differences in understanding of the world are errors of the mind rather than errors of the senses. What this (laughs) means in plain talk... (laughs) Oh, God. If you think you're colorblind, if you think you can't see the spectrum of colors other people can... 
because your eyes don't, don't have the rods and cones necessary to see those colors, you're wrong. Is that a quote? No. <laughs> no. Thank God. This is this is my simplification, but it is a fairly accurate one. I was just going to say, like, so she'd, like, spat on blind people in the street? Like, no, what? like, this is, this is just, like, the best example, like, because she really doesn't give any examples, because the moment you give an example of what this means, it sounds really stupid. It, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like... If you're saying that the sensory perceptions of human beings are objectively true, and there oh, can God. be no difference between what we perceive and what truly is, uh, you either see all the c- colors that everybody else sees, or you're wrong. <laughs> Man, that's like, what that means. <laughs> she just needed to do acid just one time. Yeah, like just, <laughs> this is this is a premise. This is a the woman is on meth. Like this for is her whole life. Yes, and she thought she was the most rational person in the world, and, she, and that everyone who didn't think like she did was mentally impaired. My skin bugs are objectively true. I feel them. Yeah, like this is this is a lo- this is a philosophical standpoint that can be proven wrong by the existence of deaf people. And yeah, you're on shaky ground. If like, and 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 acid trips. <laughs> if deaf people and acid trips can unseat your worldview, you need to rethink. Yeah, like I mean, like either that or people with different sensory experiences than us are simply living in a different re- reality where there are where there is either no sound or different colors. Like I, in, w- in which case, mantis shrimp are living on a completely different plane of reality. Oh, that's right. They get to see more colors than us. Yeah, like we have like three different color centimajiggies, and they have twelve. That's the science word. Also, fuck you, mantis shrimp. Yeah, fuck you, mantis shrimp. I mean, I can kind of get behind Ayn Rand because, like, I live in an objective reality where my ex is a dickhole, <laughs> and he lives in an alternate reality where I was an unreasonable bitch some of the time. So I mean. I get where she's coming from. <laughs> I mean, basically, we've we've proven the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> Only I am irrational. <laughs> Fuck you, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I'm not going to specify which one. <laughs> All of them, whatever. Oh, whatever. All of them, some of them, none of them. Who knows? <laughs> so, this gets taken uh, even further. So, this also... She also brings this into morality and ethics and even preferences <laughs> oh god uh, so, we, so we end up with a variation of virtue ethics where rationality is where uh values and virtues and what is good and what is bad comes from and her idea is so the fundamental truth is that people want to survive that human beings want to survive so Whatever is rational, whatever is good, is whatever helps the individual to survive. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of behind this right now, but then you're going to bring up an example. It's like, we should eat the poor, and I'm, I'm going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> so this comes to a, the idea that moral good is self-interest. And I can get behind that to an extent as well. I, I mean, mean like, yeah. Like, it is generally good to look after yourself and take care of your own needs. Yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> this is this is going to go... Uh, this is going to go in terrible directions. This is going to go in a really bad direction really quickly. So one of the reasons why Ayn Rand's ideas come out so oddly is she was incredibly egotistical. Uh, egotistical. Okay, that's a singular <laughs> word. We're pluralizing things today. Oh, how fun is that? E- egotistical is when you're obsessed with your own testicles and think they're the most important thing in the world. So being a man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a non-eunuch man. I feel like those don't exist anymore. I mean, I obviously believe in eunuchs as a concept. I'm sure they existed. Do you believe in eunuchs? I know that's not quite, they're not quite the same thing as unicorns. If you wish upon a eunuch... <laughs> It'll come true. <laughs> um, so her idea was that her preferences are rational. And everyone and, else's are just ridiculous. Yeah. And prefer- values are derived from rationality and values are objective. Ergo, you agree with her 
Or you're wrong. She spent a lot of time, like, just tripping balls in her bedroom, rocking back and forth, like, oh god, pepperoni pizza is objectively better than pineapple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything I believe is true. Yeah, and the, the reason why she picked the word objectivist was because existentialist was already taken. It also doesn't mean that at yeah, all. and it basically means it's the opposite. the opposite. <laughs> it is the opposite. <laughs> but she wanted to, like, express this idea that things really do exist. She had a weird fucking way of going about it. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why a bunch of people are really into Rand is because she was anti-communist and highly pro-capitalism, specifically an extremely laissez-faire, unregulated form of capitalism, which she saw as objectively good as she saw it as the best way of ensuring individual rights. Right. Um, So, like, if the future is an apocalyptic wasteland where, like, human beings kill each other over, like, Yes. Canned ravioli. Like, that in, in is. In a world where, where, <laughs> where human beings hunt each other for sport. <laughs> in a post apocalyptic wasteland. And, like, whoever controls the most bent tin cans and bottle caps is our king. Perfect. Yeah. But, like, the thing is, like, you could take those exact same premises and come to completely different conclusions. Like, I could say, like, oh, all human beings want to survive. Survival is rational, and survival is what is good. Ergo, I should make sure that everyone around me who sustains the social structure that takes care of me is in good shape. No. Like, you could make the exact opposite argument from the exact same premise. She didn't go that way. She went with, they can't have your food. Have a Scrooge McDuck-style <laughs> vault full of all the food. <laughs> and money. Basically. <laughs> And this is like, and this is not necessarily the conclusion of this philosophy. It's just what she personally preferred. And she, t- <laughs> notably, she felt the same way about cigarettes and meth. <laughs> that you should have all of them? <laughs> that they are the best. Like she wrote, like she wrote. Cigarettes and meth are the best. Everyone else is crazy. <laughs> including yeah, I, doctor. I, including doctor. Like, I don't know if she wrote anything similar about meth, but she just wrote. Like, long prose, poetry-esque. She wrote beautiful sonnets. <laughs> she, she wrote sonnets about cigarettes, and how about, like, smoking two packs a day made her the ubermensch, okay? <laughs> this is what she did in her spare time. Now it just kind of makes you sort of yellow-tinged. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... Even though, like, she lived through a time when people were saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this, maybe this is bad for you... Uh, she just kept smoking until basically she got diagnosed with lung cancer. <laughs> she, I've only ever seen pictures of Ayn Rand as an old woman, but now I think I've just seen pictures of her at like twelve. <laughs> she just looked this. She just aged in dog years, <laughs> <laughs> two packs at a time. Oh yes, um, and and notably for all you you people out there who love capitalism. There are also intellectuals who like capitalism and aren't assholes. <laughs> I mean, most people. Yeah, you know, like there's there's quite a large, you know, like you know, like group of people who are just like, yes, free markets, excellent, and maybe the poor should not starve, and, and don't think that we should eat the poor. You, like they exist; they're out there. I believe it. You can find them. <laughs> they're less they're less rare than eunuchs. <laughs> Unicorns. Unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) With their egotesticles. God, this is in a weird direction. So, like, she was so dedicated to this idea that, you know, personal egotistical striving at the expense of everything else and to the point of the detriment of others was, like, so good and was so perfect and ideal. She wrote an entire book, Atlas Shrugged, about how talented rich people are oppressed by the corrupt government on behalf of the talentless parasitic poor, and those talented people should leave society to form their own enclave, and the leaving the rest of society to rot and die. So she was fun at parties. A delight. <laughs> Just an absolute riot. Wine and cheese nights at Ayn Rand's place are great. She will kill you. <laughs> yeah, so like this is a form of like extreme merit- meritocracy. And that doesn't quite explain like, okay, so you're going to take all the entrepreneurs, you're going to take all the geniuses, all the businessmen. And then remove them from people who buy things. And remove them from people who buy things. And garbage men. And janitors. And 
Right. Who? Just go live on Trash Island. Yeah, like, who does these, like, are you going to make some of the entrepreneurs who just aren't entrepreneurial enough? Ayn Rand was not ready for Walmart. I mean, <laughs> selling to the unwashed and tasteless mass yeah. is basically how they made all the money. Like, I don't think Ayn Rand's, like, Adlai Shrugged does not work in a pre-robotics world. <laughs> Doesn't work in any world. No! <laughs> no! And... It is extremely unclear what she thought we should do with the disabled. Oh. Except it's not at all unclear, because if you go on YouTube or type into the Google, Ayn Rand... The Google. Uh, the Google, You are yes. not that old. <laughs> I'm old enough inside. <laughs> my Again, my soul has suspenders. Oh. If, if you go on the Google and you type in Ayn Rand disability, you can find out exactly what she thought. My guess is, like, <laughs> turn them into processed lunch meat? Basically, there's just this argument that we're spending far too much money on disabled people, and we should take all the money away from them and spend it on the gifted instead. And it's not exactly oh clear what she thinks we should do instead of spending money on them. Presumably she wants us to leave them on the sides of, of mountains as children to die of exposure. I was going to say, ice flows, I guess? <laughs> oh. Yeah, like, we are literally talking about a person who just thought the weak and the talentless and the people who are not able to succeed in the free market should be left to die. Oh. Well, that's that's the end point of this philosophy. Cheerful. <laughs> it's it's very fun. <laughs> this is why Ayn Rand never had children. I mean, maybe she did, and then she left them on the side of the mountain because <laughs> they were. <laughs> we don't know. Imperfect mountain for you. <laughs> you are weak, constantly suckling at the teeth of your mother, <laughs> instead of going out into economy getting job. <laughs> you are not disgusting. A, disgusting. You are not an entrepreneur. <laughs> Your head is not even fused. How will you survive the winter without me? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just—I wish she had written parenting books instead of Atlas Shrugged. It would have—that would be hilarious. It would be horrifying, but it would be hilarious. Like one time, a niece of Atlas—sorry, uh, a niece of Ayn Rand—like sent her a letter asking for money to buy a dress, and she just sent like back a huge paragraphs and paragraphs berating this girl and telling her like that if she gave her money she would have to pay it back in installments and detailing in every minuscule ways like exactly how much she'd have to pay back and when and telling her not to you know like to, to, to get a job and it's like wow you were the fun aunt. i was gonna say you're the fun aunt you're the one i feel like this is like this poor girl's parents probably put her up to this they were like oh you should ask Go ask Auntie Rand for money. Just, just trust us. Just trust us. <laughs> it will be fun. Trust, 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 trust. So, how do we? How did we get to Atlas Shrugged? After Fountainhead, oh, Rand attracted a group of young admirers that called themselves the Collective. Oh, um, oh, God! Yeah, <laughs> that's a terrifying name for people who like don't live in tanks and have yes. interconnected minds. And, um... <laughs> They had been heavily influenced by Fountainhead. Uh, this included this group included chairman, uh, future chairman of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan, oh. <laughs> which explains a lot, uh, and a psychology student named Nathan Blumenthal, who changed oh. his name to Nathaniel Brandon uh, at her suggestion. What? Everybody has to change their name in college. Yes. God damn it. And the reason why she suggested he change his name to Brandon is so then it would contain her last name. Oh. Ugh. Oh, I don't like that. Mm. Also, I like. I guess I can never have a creepy little group of followers because Como is not fitting in shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mikomoski. No, there's just there's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. Not, you're no. going to have to change your name when you're in grad school. God damn it. <laughs> Just to something, something, something shorter and snappier. You know how much paperwork that is? Yes. Uh, you're also apparently going to have to uh, convince these people who are much, much younger than you to have an affair with you. Because that's exactly what Ayn Rand did with uh, Nathaniel Brandon. Oh. Uh, in 1954, uh, he was 24 years younger than her. Uh, both were married. Oh. And apparently they're... Can, 
it says in the material, like, they're like, oh, you know, like, their spouses consented to the arrangement where, like, he would go over to their house and they would, like, have scheduled bang sessions. Oh! Like, oh, it's... That's it's, romantic. It's 3.30. I must, I must now, you know... Sexually gratify Ayn Rand. I must now schkaboodle with this much older woman. I'm so hot right now. Time for a, <laughs> time for a horizontal tango at... And, and stopping at 4 p.m. sharp, sharpish. You took something that was already unsexy and just just made it horrifying. <laughs> to be oh man! And, and I mean, Ayn Rand. I've ne- like I think I've seen a picture of her smiling once, but I think I blacked it out. <laughs> yeah, like also like how do you how do you even bring that up if you're Ayn Rand to your husband? Just like, you just inform him. Which is apparently what she did. Like, it wasn't like, oh, honey, can I, can... uh, Can I have a boy toy? Excuse me, husband. May I have a much younger male lover? No, it was, uh, it's, hello, husband. I I will, I will now, I will now sexually gratify myself with this young student. Deal. Deal. (laughs) I will withhold food until you starve. (laughs) Do do you want to continue to be husband? Good. Stay there. (laughs) And you know, like he probably said no, but like <laughs> no, no, <laughs> duh. But like yeah, both uh, Brandon's uh, wife Barbara and Rand's husband, who his his name has not been lost to history, but it's been definitely been lost to my memory because it's <laughs> honestly not that important to her life story. Oh god, uh, they did not like this arrangement, but they just sort of put up with it. Well, can you imagine like Brandon's husband? Or Brandon's husband. Not that progressive. Brandon's <laughs> wife would have had to change her last name, too. Oh, yeah! To yeah. accommodate this random woman yeah. who's fucking her husband. I would be cheesed. I I would be, at minimum, somewhat peeved. Tires would be slashed. I don't know if Anne Ron... <laughs> Ron well, I can't say her fucking name. I don't Rand. know if she... Rand. I, don't, Rand. Rand. I don't know if she drove, but... <laughs> I would buy her a car. I would buy her a car, and, and then I would tires. slash its tires. <laughs> think she still comes out ahead. Yeah, like, and they would have, like, awkward trade-offs where, like, you know, like... Like their divorced parents handing over their child? Yeah, like, 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 oh, yeah, like, like, lover shows up as husband is leaving. Hi. No. That is the level of... Like, that's one of the reasons why I could never have an affair like that. It would just... I would burst into flames at just the social awkwardness. Also because you don't understand human love. True. <laughs> that is the... I think the bigger... I think that's the main <laughs> obstacle, actually. I You're getting way ahead of yourself. You're thinking about affairs. <laughs> no, no, no. First you must learn how to love another human being. Walk before you fly here, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> like someday when I'm a when I'm an elderly uh, you know pseudo pop psycho like, like pop philosopher, philosopher. I- I'm going to be seducing young young f- uh, psychology students left and right. That is if I ever leave my house. <laughs> Everyone needs goals. It's good, I mean, it's good to have dreams. You know, bright future. <laughs> you, know, you give yourself goals, and even if you don't reach them, you'll land among. The stars, or face first in a psychology student's crotch. <laughs> One or the other. One or the other. <laughs> I'm probably going to get arrested. Oh yeah, big time. As I ran, probably should have been. Actually, I don't know if she ever did anything illegal. I don't think so. I think it was just She weird. just did things that should have been illegal. It was just weird. <laughs> just, just weird. <laughs> um... Uh, uh, Nathaniel Brandon later formed the Nathaniel Brandon Institute because apparently egotists are common in this group. Just name shit after yourselves. Don't look back, yeah. kids. Yeah, after the uh, 1957 uh, uh, publish, uh, publication of Atlas Shrugged, uh, he, he wrote the Objectivist, uh, he edited the Objectivist newsletter, uh, which the collective wrote. Uh, the collective, by the way, was sort of weird and cult-like. If they, you didn't get that impression, yeah, I kind of got that from the name. Yeah, it's also really weird that like an anti-communist movement chose the name the collective. I think it was intended to be funny and ironic. So that sounds I like they were th- like this is a bunch of like nerdy anti-communist weirdos trying to be cool. It sounds like an employee-owned grocery store. Yeah, like if you've ever like these these young people. 
wore polo shirts before polo shirts were associated with this kind of young person. Like, <laughs> before they were cool, they were never cool. They were never it. cool. Polo shirts like, are cool. These 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 people like these are the kind of young people who start out uncool and just get uncooler. No. And I'm like I'm glad they had each other, but one of the things about the collective is it had a very they they were very group thinking and they tended to lash out a disagreement and be very repressive of one dissent. of us one of us <laughs> yeah so like they would write articles for this and ayn rand would edit it and people who did were not in lockstep and a lot of people who were formerly a part of this like many former cult members like reported like it being a very oppressive anti-free thinking so not libertarian not no. really. No. <laughs> no. No, it was you either agree with Ayn Rand or you are wrong. <laughs> Drink the Kool-Aid. Drink the Kool-Aid. Like these these are not free thinkers. <laughs> no. These are minions. These these are And fuck toys. Minions and fuck toys. That's what they are, that's what they're for. Man, I don't get any of those. Mm, I know it's a shame. Well, well maybe you should write a deeply creepy like pseudo racist, you know, ableist novel about how the rich are being oppressed. And, and then you'll have fuckboys galore. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Atlas shrugged. International became an international bestseller. For some reason. For some reason. <laughs> Why? It was deeply critically mixed. Lots of people don't want to have guns in their home. You need a solid bludgeoning weapon. <laughs> Keep you know, it on the nightstand. <laughs> it is very difficult for a toddler to kill themselves with a copy of... I'm not saying it's impossible. <laughs> I'm not going to rule it out, but... But you probably don't have to keep it in a lock safe necessarily, as long as you don't put it on a high shelf. It's not... Yeah, it's not sharp. <laughs> it's not as weird as keeping a machete next to your bed. Yeah, it's, it's an innocuous bludgeoning weapon. I mean, if you've got young children... Uh, it's great. Uh, Atlas Shrug is also notable for having the creepiest sex scenes. Oh. They're so creepy. It's like, like, these two people will, like, have sex with one another, and then the man in the situation immediately launches into a tirade about how she, he, he finds her disgusting and detests her. Well, and just has only- <laughs> nothing but contempt for her. Well, that's the only way I can get off. <laughs> no. <laughs> Holy shit. Mm. That's just how that's how men get hard in Ayn Rand's head. <laughs> just physical disgust and contempt. And now it's time for the degradation of the female sex. <laughs> it's like she, like, I guess, yeah, she read 1984 and was like, this five minutes of hate is the hottest shit I've ever read. Yeah. Whew. We were also talking about a woman who was deeply women-hating. Yeah. Um, she was absolutely an internalized misogynist. Uh, she was <laughs> she, she was never more complica- complimented than when people referred to her as a man. Oh. Um, and, like, this is not somebody who is, like, transgendered. Like, no. she didn't identify as a man. She just socially... Yeah, she just socially associated with men and considered being called a man a superior compliment to being associated with women because she thought she was the best and ergo being called a man, which is the best, uh, was better. <laughs> so Ayn Rand, not a domestic goddess. I, I wouldn't no. say that. Can you just imagine Ayn Rand over a plate of cookies, you know? All of them, all of them, you know, chopped up into like anti communist messages. I was gonna say, hello, grandchildren, fight for sustenance. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma will watch. <laughs> First, you must prove your worth. <laughs> I don't think it's a woman who did a lot of ironing. Like, this is not... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but she, she ended up getting a lot of... She get, ended up getting a lot of speaking roles at Ivy League institutions. Um, was very popular there. Uh, for some reason. You mean wealthy, rich people being told that they should be assholes was popular? I mean, America... If you want to understand how you ended up where you got today, don't look at George Washington. Don't look at, at Thomas Jefferson. Don't look at Abraham Lincoln. Get your face, your guys away from him. His stovetop and, and, and delightful beard will tell you nothing of how America is, came to be the way it is today. Look at Ayn Rand. <laughs> I mean, I can see why she's popular. <laughs> what? I'm awesome and I should go live on an awesome island with my awesome friends? 
Fuck yes. <laughs> the poor are trying to take my money away because they hate me and they I hate knew my, it. Hate my success. <laughs> Finally, vindication. <laughs> That's how all Ivy League students spoke in yes. the 1960s. Like, Ayn Rand was basically the message of, like, yes, you rich person, you are being, like, oppressed by the homeless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you made it worse. <laughs> yes. So, eventually, this sort of odd honeymoon phase between her and, between Rand and Brandon, comes to an end with him having an affair not with, like, you know, his actual wife. Just, like, another woman entirely. I, I didn't manage to find his own wife's uh, opinion of this third woman in his life. But <laughs> considering she helped hide the affair from Rand. And, and she was probably... This poor woman, Barbara Brandon, was probably just so hard done by. Psychologically destroyed. <laughs> she was probably just happy that her husband was having an affair with a normal woman. <laughs> she's, just, she's just a husk of a person. <laughs> she's just devastated. She doesn't even care anymore. You've laughed harder about that than anything else in this entire episode. I just, the psychological I just, devastation of Barbara Brandon. Again, I do not understand human feelings. <laughs> There's a human head in your freezer right now. I mean, I, I wouldn't have room for that. I, I have a lot of ice cream there. It's in the fridge. That wasn't less <laughs> That's You made it worse. It will spoil, Jessica. Desiccation is an excellent way of preserving trophies like heads. This is why no one will let you live alone. <laughs> this, is, this is why this decision was made. Constant supervision. So uh, after the pr- Rand finds out about the Patricia Scott affair, Patricia Scott being the other more normal woman that... An actress his own age. Ooh. Ooh. I, I have no... and. She begins, la- she lashes out at him. And Ayn Rand um, loses her fucking she shit. She loses her shit. In only she, the way that, like, an angry, slightly sociopathic, full-blown meth addict can. <laughs> yeah, she uh, talks about him. She uh, badmouths him passive-aggressively. Publicly denounces him as being for being irrational in his public in his private affairs. Um, because what is what is what is more irrational than having a sex being being a man and having a sexual affair with, with a young attractive actress with a young attractive actress irrational and keeping the keeping the the news away from your psychopathic sixty like, year old sixty year old lover <laughs> <laughs> who you're no longer attracted to not wanting to fuck Ayn Rand is the most rational part of his entire <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> And basically what she does is she just destroys his reputation among the collective and he gets rejected by a lot of his old friends and colleagues because uh, she had way more power than him. Weird. (laughs) And was the kind of person who couldn't take no for an answer, apparently. (laughs) Oh, gee. You wouldn't get that impression at all reading Atlas Shrugged. What a surprise. Yeah, so... A lot of uh, Ayn Rand's opinions made no sense and sort of had this odd, uh, contradictory aspect to them. Uh, she was against the draft. Uh, she also thought draft dodgers were bums. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's not necessarily logically inconsistent, but it's very strange to see those two opinions in the same person. I hate like, that cucumbers exist, but everyone who doesn't eat cucumber is a loser. <laughs> yeah, like, like you think that, like, the draft is an unjust... Right. Like... And you believe in individual liberty. And you believe in individual liberty. You think that this is the government controlling people's lives and compelling you to people, risk your life. citizens to risk their lives in the service of a country they may or may not believe in. But also... But fuck you if you avoid it. But, but if you don't obey that unjust law, then you're a bum. <laughs> uh, she was also against war, but supported the Yom Kippur War. Uh, Because she was super anti-Muslim. 
She was... But she's, again, someone who's water. for individual liberty. Presumably she's cool with whatever you want to worship. Except that. Except that. Uh, like, <laughs> I believe that you... Sh- like, and, and it's like, it's like, she's not cool with all religions, actually. She's extremely anti-religion. And it's like... Like, there's atheist as in, like, I don't believe in God. And I don't believe in religion either. And then there's atheist as in, like... Your stupid fairy tales. You should all die because clearly you are mentally defeated. I was gonna say you're, you're, there's like there's like your casual everyday atheist, and there's like I've got a keyboard, a neck beard, and a whole lot of time on my hands. Let's do this. If Ayn Rand could have developed a neck beard, she would have. <laughs> oh, that's just what she needed. Yeah. So like super Islamophobic. Of course. Uh, she was a pro-legalization of homosexuality and pro- pro-legalization of, of, of transgender, uh, re- like, sex reassignment surgery. But she also thought that gay people and transgender people were disgusting. <laughs> no. I'm grossed out by this, but do what you... I mean, at least that's like, sort of philosophically consistent, but... Like, it's it's a sort of opinion I can kind of get behind. Except for the homosexuals or Jessica. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I agree with it. What I say is, like, I genuinely prefer if rather than getting the government to oppress people you find icky, you just said... <laughs> That is gross, but okay. <laughs> like, like that is my preference. In a world where either you hate gay people, or okay. and you support the government okay. oppressing them, or you hate gay people, but you think the government should back off, I prefer the second. <laughs> it's just bizarre that this is a woman who thought morals were objective, and then she's like, meh. Except this one case. Yeah, just... This Ayn is Rand, just my deal. Ayn Rand is completely philosophically inconsistent. None of her beliefs make a lot of sense. It might have been the meth. It was definitely the meth. (laughs) (laughs) And the trauma of living through a revolution, but mostly the meth. Um, She, uh, of course, as previously mentioned, developed lung cancer in uh, 1974. What's hysterical about that is she spent her entire life railing against physician warnings about cigarettes. Absolutely. She literally thought that this was a, like, conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It is the government lying to you. There's no way these could actually make you sick. It's, it's not even like in modern day where, like, people understand that smoking's killing them, but they do it anyway. They're like, nah, maybe I'll die before my student loans are paid off. Mm-hmm. Like, she just believed that this was a pure fantasy. Yeah, which explains a lot of her opinions on regulations. Like, the idea that corporations could be misleading you about the safety of their products and that maybe someone else who without a vested interest in selling them should step in and say whoa 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 there bud <laughs> was just completely outside of her worldview can you imagine they're like spending your entire life railing against cigarette regulations and then waking up one morning and you can't breathe like just Fuck. Yeah. Not only <laughs> not only that, but she she had had quite a bit of money from royalties, right? Right. But she blew through that on what treating her cancer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like socialized medicine exists yeah. for a reason. And uh, a nurse of hers eventually, after she was des- after Rand was destitute, a nurse of hers finally convinced her uh, to take Social Security and Medicare. (laughs) So after all that, (laughs) she was like, shit, turns out these things exist for a reason. Yeah, like, the irony of a person, and I'm not saying she shouldn't have gotten medical attention. Like, No, obviously, if you have cancer, get... Yeah, get help. Everyone should be able to get help. We're we're Canadian. But that's what I think. That's not what she thought. She thought that anyone who took social assistance... Was weak. Was weak. Was worthless. Was like a drain... Was like... like, You are are a parasite upon the system taking away from those better, stronger, and more worthy than you. It's almost like nobody told Ayn Rand about human aging. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Like, one of the reasons why we like social security nets is sometimes shit happens and you get cancer. (laughs) Or like, at some point, you are just physically too old to continue lion taming and you've got to retire yeah like (laughs) you've got to retire like there's you can't be 84 years old and still be an astronaut like you just yeah it's just 
apparently she had gone and like she is in her she is in her 70s at this point and no one had ever told her hey by the way aging sucks ass and eventually you will be too weak to compete in this bizarre dog eat dog world that you've suggested is truly fair (laughs) oh god so like Deeply hypocritical, but at the same time, I'm like, well, she's an old lady who had cancer, but also she's an asshole. (laughs) So fuck you, old lady, but do treat your cancer. I'm glad that you got treatment that you pulled through. Mm -hmm. Uh, She, she, and and the treatment was successful. Uh, She eventually lived to have a die of heart failure um, in 1982, which is eight years later after her initial diagnosis. That's a lot, like, older than I thought. I always picture her as someone who was around in, like, the 40s and 50s. Yeah. I never picture her as being, like, in the 80s. Like, people were skating around with leg warmers and boom boxes, and Ayn Rand was, like, pathetic. Yeah. Weak. You are, you are disgusting, and you will not survive the winter. Your leg warmers will not keep you warm in Siberian winter. Your, your knees are exposed. <laughs> but you have the right to do that, and I recognize Yeah, that. like, she nearly survived <laughs> until the age of 80. Like, that's... Out of spite. Out of sheer anger. Spite and meth. Spite and meth. <laughs> it was probably just the withdrawal that got her in the end. <laughs> she was dead in, like, 1973. The last decade or so was just meth. <laughs> it's just inertia. Yes. Uh, and at her funeral, interestingly enough, at the foot of her, uh, of her coffin, there was a floral arrangement... In the shape of a six-foot dollar sign. (laughs) It's what she would have wanted. It is. (laughs) Beautiful, isn't it? (laughs) Poetic. (laughs) I'm sure it brought great comfort to her, I don't know, I was going to say loved ones, but I think her husband may have been a little done with her by this point. Her tolerated ones? (laughs) Her followers, I guess? Something like that. Um... In, in terms of after Ayn Rand's death, uh, her uh, Atlas Shrug continues to be a bestseller. Uh, I think largely due to the Ayn Rand Institute, which buys like 10% of them every year. And does what with them? Gives them to impressionable children. You there. Creepy sex scenes and all. <laughs> I was going to say, these are, these are pretty explicit books. Excuse me, young person. Could you write us a... Ten-page diatribe on this on this horrifying book. <laughs> Enjoy. Just, is this just like a? They just approach children on the street. I, I think mostly in schools after tricking after tricking impressionable teachers. I don't know how they manage to get the, give these to children. But like, there's there's an annual like book like book prize if you if you write an essay about the, either The Fountainhead or uh, Atlas Shrugged, and they will give you money if you read this creepy book as a teenager and tell people, like, and tell this institute what you think. Why it's the tits? Why it is the absolute tits. I don't think you can get the money if you're just like, 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 if you're Holy just like- Holy shit! <laughs> if you're just like <laughs> us and you just- like, like, suggest that the best use for this is beating a burglar to death. <laughs> they will not give you money. They will not give you. You have to say you like it. It's not in the rules, but trust me, you have to. You have to say you like. You sleep it. with this book under your pillow and you cradle it gently every night. Yes, like, like they get into people when they're young and like they have not read a better book. <laughs> I think we literally could've... anything. It's it's been Lord of the Flies and this. <laughs> yeah, like I think we could destroy all of Ayn Rand's popularity with young people just by giving them access to Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> we need a Tolkien Institute. I'm sure it exists. Just, just it's probably way less we, well we funded. Just, we should just have an intervention program. With young conservatives where we give them Harry Potter. <laughs> and a hug. <laughs> Harry Potter and a hug. <laughs> and maybe and maybe uh, and maybe some Nozick. <laughs> if they're into that kind of thing. <laughs> Nerd. Nozick likes capitalism and he doesn't do math probably. <laughs> so really what Ayn Rand needed was I guess a hug and a dare program. <laughs> Can you imagine Ayn Rand and Dare? 
You keep telling me that math is wrong, but look at this. I write book. <laughs> book is excellent. Books sell all over the world. Greatest creative mind. Greatest creative mind ever exists. <laughs> she was the Kanye West of her generation. God, can you imagine Ayn Rand in the nursing home? Look at you. You need that machine to breathe. I unplug. <laughs> I, un- I I personally unplug. I spit at you. And then like all like the, the nurse comes by and she's like, Alright, how many who wants to play cribbage? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> I win the money. And it, it is Ein. <laughs> <laughs> that was her whole life, I can imagine. It is Ein. <laughs> Never don't don't name your kid something impossible to pronounce. Don't name yourself something impossible That's to pronounce. That's true. She brought this on herself. Like, don't blame poor Mrs. R- Miss, Mrs. Mrs. Rosenbaum for this. <laughs> she wanted better for her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> the world. Didn't we all? <laughs> well. Anyway, this, this reflection on one of the most interesting figures of the 20th century has been by me, uh, Jessica. And me, Janelle, which is mostly pronounceable. Mostly. Mostly. The, the, it's not spelt a... how you're spelling it in your head. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Take that E off the end. It is incorrect. And the L. Too many. L, too many letters. Redundant. Superfluous <laughs> letters have no place in my name. Superfluous letters are a sign of weakness. <laughs> you must learn to be strong. Well, all right. <laughs> We are, I'm not strong. But we, will, am, we will not spell Jessica with a Y. What is this? <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> Call me this name. <laughs> well, we're not strong, but we are fat. French. And fabulous. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Fat, French, and Fabulous. We're really glad that you sat through the entire episode. If you like our show and you want to subscribe to us, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Google Play, Overcast, pretty much anywhere that you can subscribe to a podcast. Because it turns out none of those places have any standards. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. We are also on Twitter at Fat French Fab because our name is way too long for a Twitter handle. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, we are there too. I'm at Very Bad Llama and Jessica is at I Am Not a Lungfish because, as it turns out, Jessica's not a lungfish. Um, this is going to be a weekly podcast from here on out, so we really hope that you'll be around and that you'll tune in next week. 